Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going as well as it can. We're going to start this podcast off a little bit differently than normally. Normally, we jump in and just hit the Wisconsin numbers, but there's kind of a little bit of an uplifting story uh, right away today that I think we should talk about. So, Chris Rodel at Hatch Distillery is shifting their efforts into making hand sanitizer for Scandia Village and Door County Medical Center. I think that that's a really cool story right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's skip some of the the numbers for a little bit and the the fear factor. And uh, I got word that Chris was going to do some stuff to create hand sanitizer at his distillery, as many across the country are doing. He doesn't really want the publicity for it, but I called him anyway. And uh, what they're trying to do, and it's, I guess, with the way distilleries operate, it's actually not all that difficult to transition to making hand sanitizer. I mean, alcohol is a large component of hand sanitizer. Right. It's just normally you'd have a lot of different permitting and hurdles to get past before you could switch to something like that. But FDA is kind of streamlining that process. The FDA being the Food and Drug Administration is streamlining that process right now so that places like distilleries could switch their manufacturing processes over or the in this case, distilling processes over to meet a critical need. So what he's trying to do, it's not going to be a mass market thing, at least probably not, is to supply Scandia Village and Door County Medical Center, uh, where his wife works, with sanitizer as they are both getting to a point where they're running low. And we know in both of those instances how vital it is that people just be doing everything they can to wash their hands and, and be sanitized and as clean as possible. So just a really cool thing that um, they're doing over at Hash Distillery. Commend them for it. I know a lot of businesses are doing this. And if, if people hear of anything else, please shoot us an email. Love giving shout outs to those people who are doing their best to help the community. Yeah, for sure. It's really cool to see the community kind of shifting gears and doing what they can. It does, in a weird way, kind of remind me of like wartime efforts. We've got like factories changing over and converting all of their manufacturing into like materials for the war. Mm-hmm. It, and if you've been listening to the way that Trump has been talking about this whole thing, this is a war that we are in and we're going to win the war against the virus. Yeah, uh, I guess there's that. It is interesting phrasing on his part because epidemiologists are like, this is very different than (laughs) how you might wage war. But okay, as long as it gets you fired up. Right. It it is. It is really bizarre to hear him talking about how we're going to win. Like we're going to be victorious in this. It's super bizarre. Yeah. I'll withhold my (laughs) my comments uh, as best as I can here. We'll get into that in a second. A couple other things that I thought were interesting talking to Chris about this process is One of the issues is right now it's hard to get the components to even make sanitizer, uh, glycerol and hydrogen peroxide. He was able to get his hands on some, so he's going to be able to make some small quantities over the next couple of weeks to do this. It's also companies are having a hard time finding the containers to do this because those are on short supply, like the little squeeze bottles and little pump bottles and things like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, I, I did love this one quote. He said, uh, you know, by volume, the biggest ingredient in this is high proof alcohol. So obviously we're prepared to do that. He said, normally I wouldn't recommend using handcrafted vodka with Door County honey, but in this case, it'll work. (laughs) So there is going to be some really, really high quality hand sanitizer. (laughs) Uh, Why don't we jump into the Wisconsin numbers? Uh, They have gone up, but the amount that they've gone up has been a little bit less than before. So 
maybe the beginnings of a trend. Uh, I certainly wouldn't go out on a limb and and predict that this is flatlining, but there is after that boost of about a hundred cases reported Saturday. Uh, we just had like 35 yesterday. Today we have 31. Most of these in Milwaukee County, which now has 268 cases. Still none in Door or Kewanee counties. No new cases in Brown County. So, so far, Wisconsin seems to be keeping this relatively at bay. It's very early. There's there's not a high number of tests being performed in Wisconsin, so it's tough to say. And I personally have heard stories of several people who have pretty severe symptoms who are pretty sick right now but haven't been tested and are just told to stay home. These are younger individuals who the hospital is like, well, this is like the flu, so just in, in their case, so don't come in. So that those are people who most likely would test positive, but they're not using those tests on those people right now. So hopefully this is... These are true numbers and that we aren't seeing bulk spread in, in Wisconsin. But um, as we all know, this can change overnight. Places like New York are seeing five, six, seven thousand new cases every day. And those hospital systems are getting overwhelmed. But a couple of other things that came out of today's uh, press conference from the Department of Health Services. Now they're saying that that hospitalization rate, which on yesterday's call they said was around 10% of infected individuals, they've corrected that, or maybe I just misheard it or they misspoke, but it was they're now saying 20% of those who test positive require hospitalization. I also talked to a doctor today from another state who's been dealing with this who said that what they're seeing is there are a lot of younger people who are being hospitalized, but those people who are hospitalized, you put them on a ventilator for a few days, they recover more quickly. So if you're in that 20 to 55 range, you might be sick enough to require hospitalization, but you're kind of it doesn't take as long for your for your lungs to get back. That's excluding, you know, asthma and some pre-existing harsher conditions. But with each day with this virus, they're they're learning new things. And that, that I thought that was kind of interesting. Right. They're also saying that without these measures over the next two weeks in Wisconsin, without the, the physical distancing, without the stay at home order, they would expect in within two weeks to probably see a minimum of a thousand deaths and twenty two thousand cases just in this state if people don't adhere to this these orders. So, so far, Wisconsin seems to be responding pretty well. Certainly seems that way in Door County. Right. The The big thing with this virus is that it seems to spread exponentially. So you should be seeing numbers doubling every day rather than just going up or staying the same. Hopefully we're seeing that kind of the beginnings of the curve flattening. And it's not just due to a lack of testing that we're not seeing as many cases as there actually are. I mean, of course, there are more cases out there than have been uh, positively identified through tests. But hopefully we're beginning to see the the fruits of our labors here. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, speaking of tests and miles, I don't know if you know this, but you know, or have you heard that there are companies that are starting to provide at home COVID-19 tests? I mean, you, you hear about that, but I some of the things I've read is those have been scams. Like, I don't know. I haven't read about a specific test that has been approved. Have you? No, but even beyond the scam tests, like uh, there's a company called Everlywell, which is offering tests. Basically, they send you the they send you the materials that you need to do a nasal swab, and then you send that back, and they send it to a lab that is already doing COVID testing. So it should be a legitimate thing. I was listening to a podcast yesterday called Sawbones, which is a, a medical history podcast. And one of the hosts is a doctor, and she said that even if an at-home COVID-19 test was legitimate, to actually administer a nasal swab on yourself is way more difficult than you might think, because it's not just putting like a Q-tip in your nose, it's putting it 
much further into your nasal canal than you would think you could actually do. Like doctors and nurses are trained to do this. People are not. If, if you don't do it correctly, you're going to get a, a negative result. So if you take the test and send it in and it comes back positive, it's probably positive. But if it comes back negative, there's no way of knowing. The other thing is it's like $130 per person. So if you've got a family of four and you want to do tests for everybody, that's a lot of money that you could be throwing down the drain because you're not administering the test correctly. At this point, I think the best advice is to get a test done by a trained medical professional. Uh, if you want to do it on your own uh, and you've got the got the funds to do it, then be my guest. But uh, if it comes back negative, I would not take that as uh, an indication that you truly are negative for COVID-19. Yeah, I'm just uh, looking this up as we speak here, and it does seem Amazon just in the last day has partnered with the Bill Gates Foundation to send tests to people in the Seattle area. And there's also a similar effort in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but as you look that up, you also see a lot of warnings about at-home test scams. So I would be very vigilant if I were if I was looking to do something like that. Right. Yesterday, uh, Governor Evers announced that he would be implementing a safer at home measure today, uh, and he has released the full order as well as more information on what a safer at home order is, what's an essential business. Uh, why don't you kind of set the scene for us for what was announced today? Um, yeah, I'll give you a rundown of, of what they're reporting as essential businesses, among others, um, grocery stores, veterinarians, eye care centers, bakeries, pharmacies, convenience stores, gas stations, pet supply stores, liquor stores, businesses that provide food and beverage manufacturing, processing and distribution, restaurants, animal shelters, banks, insurance offices, hardware stores, the trade services, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, uh, laundromats, post offices and shipping services. Uh, I know we had a lot of questions about that uh, come to our office. Businesses that sell office supplies and IT equipment, transportation services, and then hotels and motels, as long as they close swimming pools, hot tubs, and gyms. That's one big rundown. Also, newspapers. It's uh, it's a pretty exhaustive list. <laughs> yeah, the, the order is... Is pretty long and it I, I wasn't expecting it to, but it does make sense that it kind of goes through every possible thing that you could think of, which is good. It lays everything out very clearly. Uh, there is some things that I find interesting about it. So number one, uh, you shouldn't be out on the road. If you are, you should be traveling to one of these essential businesses or working at one of these essential businesses. Of course, you can go out and you can visit the parks and all that kind of stuff, uh, but you should not be traveling. That's That's one of the big things. The hotels and motels makes a lot of sense for me for like truck drivers or people who are are have to travel for work and have to stop into a hotel during the night. But what it what makes that kind of weird is that like, say you're down in uh, Milwaukee or in another state and you travel to Door County to stay at your favorite resort. That technically is not that that doesn't seem like it is an approved thing uh, when it comes to this order. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think the interpretation of this all depends on like how individual municipalities enforce it. I'm thinking there's going to be very little enforcement. It'll be more suggesting, but there are fines associated with it. It would be enforced at the local level by police or your village officials. Um, you know, another segment of this manufacturing distribution supply chain companies are allowed to stay open, waste pickup, disposal. There's there's a lot of a lot of companies in here. So like Bay Ship will stay open as this happens. That's the largest employer in the county. Weddings and funerals can still take place, but only in groups of 10 people or fewer. 
So you just think of like just another way that this impacts people is just think if you had your grandfather passes away and now you don't have that option of your family gathering or all their friends, your friends gathering to say goodbye. It's a scary time for a lot of people. You know, the nice thing for weddings, though, is that if it's limited to 10 people and you've got a 100 person wedding, you can just cycle them in in groups of 10 every 30 minutes and you'll be able to have your wedding as normal. Yeah, that sounds very enjoyable. That's a that's a great point. I think that's a good solution for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else with this safer at home measure? I know that bars and restaurants that have been operating under like takeout and delivery, those can continue to operate that way. Uh, They do not have to close down. Uh, any any other big takeaways from this? Kind of just echoing what I said yesterday, I think the main thrust of making this big announcement isn't so much that it's going to shut down a lot of different businesses as much, uh, although it will shut, shut down some, but just to emphasize the point of making people stay at home and just mitigate any potential spread of this. And I think it was just a way to make a stronger message about that. Um, as I as you just heard, I mean, there's so many exceptions to it that can't be shut down that... Right. I think we'll see something else. But in in the meantime, in India today, um, they ordered a lockdown for 1.3 billion people. So the entire country on lockdown. If we if we think it's crazy here, <laughs> it's it's crazier elsewhere. Uh, the UK has a lockdown that now limits gatherings to two people or fewer in hopes of stemming what's kind of gone out of control over in Britain. So I, these things that might seem crazy to some people here, it's it's not unique to Wisconsin. It's not unique to Door County. It's obviously happening all over the world. Right. Was there any language about uh, like sending one family representative out at a time? Like if you're going to a grocery store or going to a pharmacy, was there some language about that in here? I mean, that is to be assumed, like it's the best practice anyway, right now. Don't bring your entire family out to Target to go shopping. Not everybody has to go to the pharmacy at the same time send one person out. Was there any language in this about that, just to hammer that point home? Uh, there was language like that yesterday on the conference call. And, and that is one of the points I know that I've talked to some business owners who have brought like all five family members into a gas station during a stop. And these gas station owners are like, come on, just you don't need to do this to me right now. <laughs> you know, it's, some people still just don't think it's that big of a deal and, and are laughing it off and truly hope that they don't, karma doesn't come around and, and bite them. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, I, I would much rather play it safe than end up regretting not paying it safe because right. the stakes are really high. If you're going to see something bad happen right now, it's going to be pretty bad. So, I would rather just play it safe. Agreed. Last but not least, uh, you just got off the phone with County Chair Dave Lee now. And we're going to jump into that audio shortly. Uh, Why don't you tell me a little bit about what you guys talked about? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to check in with Dave. He's the county board chair, and he's also the president for the village of Sister Bay. He was the one who kind of had a unique experience seeing what an infected community in Aspen area looked like. Uh, So came back to Door County and really took this seriously and honestly got Door County and Sister Bay ahead of the rest of the state when it came to taking some measures to lock things down and before they had positive cases and, and spread within the county. So I wanted to talk to him about that, that decision-making process, what it's like to be in that position where you're telling people and you're actually issuing a press release telling people not to come here, how hard that is, 
And then we look back a, a little bit on, you know, the last time or not the last time, but a similar time when Door County faced a, a crisis that might really impact the tourism community and, and how we handled it back then. Great. Well, we'll jump into that shortly. Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me today, for bringing the updates and the numbers. As always, I look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. And uh, hopefully you're able to get outside, have some fun, at least soak in what little sunshine we have right now. And I will talk with you again tomorrow. All right. You too, Andrew. Take care. Hello. Hi, Dave. This is Miles. Hi, Miles. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go back in time about 15 years ago to last Monday. <laughs> we're, we're talking today on Tuesday. Last Monday, the county board declared a state of emergency. And then later that evening, the village of Sister Bay had a special meeting to also declare a state of emergency. What was the thinking behind that at the time? Because up till then, there really hadn't been a lot of concrete action in Door County specific to the COVID-19 emergency. Well, first, you're right. It seems about 15 years ago, even though it was just last week. <laughs> But what, what spurred me on that action, both at the county and at the village level, was I had been out skiing in the Aspen Snowmass area in Colorado. And uh, it's one of their busiest times of the year. It's the start of spring break. They do all kinds of spring jams and concerts and ESPN things. And there was, you know, of course, tens of thousands of people visiting there. And a coronavirus outbreak occurred while I was there due to some uh, international travel that, that had occurred. And the community was not prepared for that. It was still very new in the United States. And to have it happen up in a small mountain area, I think really freaked a lot of people out. And I saw what started to happen in the community. And that's when I became very serious about what was potentially could happen back here in Door County, uh, up in our neck of the woods. As an example, when the coronavirus was first uh, appeared out there and uh, a number of people came positive, they went from zero to 14 positives overnight. And quite by, and the, the community was the health department and the state uh, was surprised by that, wasn't ready for that quick reaction. And of course, the community public reacted very quickly. Hmm. And one of the individuals that was quarantined by the uh, Department of Health out there right after it happened called into a radio station and talked about how good the community had responded and was helping helping them, supporting them, and they happened to mention by accident where they were staying. And I won't mention the hotel, but where they were staying, but it was a very high-end, well-known hotel. The next day, everybody at that hotel, other than the people that were quarantined, left. They canceled all their reservations and left. Wow. And almost 90%, almost 90% of the workforce refused to show up the next day. <laughs> and, and then that began to spread throughout the community. Where had these people been? Where had they eaten? Where had they visited? Where had they ridden? Where had they skied? Everybody wanted to know everything about everybody and, and what was going on. They started looking at each other suspiciously. Every little cough became the coronavirus. And you could just see that the quick reaction to the general public as to what potentially was, was going on. And I came home shortly within a day or two after that was going on is when I came back um, to Door County. And uh, we were just starting to take a look at what was going to happen. We were looking for the state to do something, the federal government following their guidelines, of course. And it became apparent that the same thing could happen here. Yes, we're in our off season, but our businesses are just starting to gear up. Uh, we don't have a lot of visitors at that point in time. Was there anything we could or should do to try and prevent the spread? You know, keep that, that spike down, if you will. Not saying we could stop it for sure, but maybe we could at least slow it down. 
which was what we were trying to do. So the county uh, agreed to do uh, a declaration. We did the declaration on a Monday, and then the next day we did an emergency board meeting to have it verified by the county board. And that same evening on that Monday, uh, the village of Sister Bay declared the emergency uh, to put the social distancing in place and to let our businesses know to be aware and to start trying to practice, you know, CDC guidelines. And that's what started it all. And, and you were aware, we, well, you came to that emergency meeting that night. And as you could tell, there was a lot of uh, questions and curiosity in the community and amongst our uh, support teams, our EMS, our fire department, uh, yourselves, the, the media, amongst our board members, uh, the business association, you know, what could and should we do to position ourselves to be in the best place to fight against this? You know, and so that's what we did. And, and Dave, if you take me back, so just that timeline, you got back from Aspen. Was that like the day before those emergency meetings? I got back from Aspen on Friday, the 13th of March. Okay. And, and on Monday is when we made the, um, the declarations. Now, I did meet all Friday afternoon at the county level uh, with the various uh, administrative and department heads, our department of public health, emergency services, uh, EMS, sheriff, etc. cetera. Uh, and so we met on and off and talked over the weekend and determined that was the best thing to do for that Monday. At the same time, we were starting to put together an action plan for up here in Sister Bay that would simultaneously go along with what we were doing at the county level. And I, just from my conversations, not, not to paraphrase this for you, but from the conversations I was having in the week leading up to that, I would definitely term it as complacent in a lot of ways here. Um, and part of that stems from, I would say, like not getting a clear direction from the governor or from the federal level on a lot of this and, uh -huh. and how communities should act. And it did seem that once the county declared that, but then also Sister Bay making that action on its own made the business owners respond and, and say like, oh, this is serious. Like, let's talk about this physical distancing in a more serious way than, oh, isn't it funny? We don't have to, sh we're, we're not supposed to shake hands. I mean, would, did you feel something similar to that? Were you maybe a little frustrated with the lack of direction up above? Um, yes, definitely, which is why I tried to make sure that we were going to move forward with some type of action to let people know we need to be serious about this. Because I had seen what happened so shortly and so quickly out in, in the Aspen community area. And subsequently, you know, they've done a lot to come back on themselves and, and put things in place and social distance and do things with businesses that we now take for granted. But it took them a while to do that. And that delay hurt them as a community, uh, particularly on the business and, and, and visitor side. So I wanted to make sure if at all possible, we can get ahead of what was happening at the state uh, and federal level. And so that's what we did. And I also appreciated the time I had read the, um, the Pulse article about trying to take this serious. And that just coincided time-wise perfectly with what we were trying to do. Yeah. If I think back to that, writing that editorial, sweating as I was hitting publish, because it's it's tough to tell in our community to, to say like, hey, maybe we should put business on the back burner right now and take care of our, each other. But in hindsight, it almost sound, seems like a half measure. But at the time, it was, it was a tough one for us to publish. Um, yeah. And yes. that same Monday night in Sister Bay, another question that came up, you, the debate was, all right, so what do we do about parks? Do we let people go to the park? Do we use the village hall? Can And then eventually that conversation turned into, no, we don't want people gathering at all. And at that time, that was a pretty strong statement. Now that's boilerplate. But you guys basically beat the state to it. That's kind of a sad thing to me, is that it took a small town like Sister Bay to be several days in front, if not a week in front of the state government in, in making some of those moves, which I think Sister Bay can probably take some pride in. But then the one particular question was when Rob Joski, I believe, brought it up and he said, well, what do we tell hotels? Should we be telling hotels to 
cancel reservations and not take new ones? And should we encourage people not to come? And it was just like for a moment, you could almost hear a pin drop of everyone was like, we actually do have to talk about this, don't we? Um, (laughs) and that no decision was made that night, but even just a couple days later, that started to seem like an obvious thing that everyone was going to do. And the County then, I can't remember which day, but the County, um, did send out, um, a press release saying we're encouraging people not to come to door County. So for a place that is, that builds its lifeblood, especially the Northern part of this County on bringing people here on welcoming people and maybe explain a little of like how that decision was made, why that was made, but also kind of how difficult that is to say in a place like this, even in the off season. Right. And it was difficult to do. And it did take us a couple of days to work through it and talk it out. Uh, But we came to the realization that we are in the off season now. We were probably at one of our lowest census levels uh, for both the county and for hotel motel. There were probably very few of them open and the ones that were open had very low occupancy. So it was a great time. If there was ever a great time uh, to try and ask people to cancel reservations and not take any more reservations for the next 30 days. We weren't saying the rest of summer or anything by any means, but for at least the next 30 days while we got our arms around this and we saw what the response at the state and federal federal level was going to continue to be. And so that's why we were able to put that in place. Now, of course, uh, it took a few days to get that word out, but we got great coverage from the media on it. Uh, I myself did a number of interviews, both at local TV stations, uh, Milwaukee stations, and Chicago stations. And so we got good media coverage, which certainly helped uh, to put us in the spotlight that we were one of the early counties to adopt that particular uh, issue. What can you say about how businesses have responded to some of these measures in Sister Bay, particularly? Um, it might be harder to speak for the entire county, but was there pushback or people just generally cooperate? I, I don't believe I've heard anything about Sister Bay having to go around and tell people to shut their doors or things like that. Well, I, I want to give a lot of credit to Louise Hausman and the uh, SBAA organization. Uh, they were very instrumental in helping with the businesses, but uh, the vast majority of businesses understood. They welcomed it. It gave them some guidance and some direction, uh, you know, what to do uh, and and how to handle things. So that worked out pretty well. There are always uh, a couple that were reluctant to do it, but once they sat down and, and you talked to a few of them and they explained that, you know, this isn't about money. Uh, it, it's about your friends, your neighbor, your relatives, and, and, and your potential visitors, and that the health issues were more important than, than the dollars issues at this point. And as I said, also being kind of at the low point of the season also helps. Uh, it didn't, it, it, we weren't hurt as much by being able to do it now than being forced to do it much later when perhaps it would hurt us much worse. And maybe things would have, I mean, who knows? The, the, the hard part is you're never going to know what difference those extra days made and right. that physical distancing made. But um, right. in a community with so many elderly residents, you never know. Like one one mistake in that time period could have grown into many more infections and, yeah. and tragedy. Yes, definitely. And, and, I, and I do want to commend our businesses. I, thought, I think they've done a great job responding um, to the issue. And they've been trying to do workarounds and trying to figure out how to deliver business, how to keep employees uh, employed if at all possible. And, you know, they continue to work through that. You know, another aspect I want to talk about, because I've been trying to think of, like, what are the parallels to this moment um, and this crisis? And there there really are very few. Um, 9-11, although that people could probably put in a little bit more of a box, although I remember that being very scary. And as a business owner at the time, just not knowing what was going to happen going forward and when the next attack might come. And people forget that we had the anthrax scare at the same time. You had the DC sniper going on at the same time. So people were really getting scared in a lot of different ways at that time. Um, And there's probably some things we could learn from that time about how to deal with this moment. But specific to Door County, 
you know, in 2002, we had a public relations nightmare for our tourism community when we had, I think, 30 some people fell ill at after swimming at Nicolay Beach and it was determined there was E. coli contamination. And then they started testing beaches around the county and we had like terrible beach water contamination at all of our beaches. And in that moment, Door County seemed to handle it really well in saying, instead of trying to hide it and sugarcoat it, Karen Raymore, the, the Door County Visitor Bureau at the time and, and other people and county officials said, all right, let's test the heck out of our beaches. Let's publish those results. We're going to put up signs that say this beach is closed due to contamination, very transparent about it. And that led to some dramatic changes to how we even um, contour our beaches and and the plantings we have there to to start um, managing stormwater and contamination. And even in Sister Bay, they put a, a new storm special stormwater filtration system under the highway. Um, right. I don't take me, let's go back to that in, in your mind and what you recall from that era because there when you have peak season contamination at the beaches, like that's and you have to close them down in a vacation community, that's really scary for Door County. Oh, definitely. What, what I recall about that time, Miles, was uh, hotels, motels, very concerned about people canceling. I, I believe we did have a number of cancellations. We had people in the media in Milwaukee and Chicago explaining how we had some of the dirtiest beaches in Wisconsin, uh, worse than some of the uh, worst places in, in other places in the United States. And it was good to see Door County grab bull by the horns, like you said, Let's be transparent. Let's get all this testing done. Let's work at the University of Wisconsin. Let's get people up here to do the testing and find out what the problem is. And once we know what the problem is, let's try and solve it, not just short term for this season, but long term going on. And as you said, if you look around now, the Door County beaches, here we are 10, 12 years later. Uh, what wonderful beaches we have. What great shape they're in and the reconstruction of a lot of beaches that have occurred uh, to make them much cleaner and prevent contamination issues. I mean, the testing that we've done on an ongoing basis throughout the county, uh, we are in marvelous shape now. So long term, it was it was actually, if you can say this, it was a good thing that it happened when it did. We were able to fix it, move forward with it and make things better than they ever were in the past. Yeah, I mean, mo many communities parlayed fixes of their beach contamination issues into expanding beaches and making them much more beautiful, adding sand, adding amenities to them. Um, some of that paid for with through the process of, of doing these reclamation projects. Um, if people don't know, if you look at Ridges Beach, Anclam Beach, Sister Bay's Beach, um, Fish Creek Beach, maybe now, because that's what came later in the game, but Horseshoe Bay beach down in egg harbor and then the egg harbor public beach just off the top of my head all of those got significant grant funds to um really enhance those beaches and make them cleaner and i don't remember the last time i had to report on beach contamination but for three four five years that was a regular thing of putting reports on when a beach was closed or um when there were warnings coming and it's and part of that was stormwater management all these community like <laughs> I, I remember writing at the time to be on a village board in maybe the early 90s was relatively uncomplicated. And by the time 2003, 4, 5 rolled around, you need to be, to be an expert on not just like planning and zoning, but stormwater management and 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 runoff and beach contamination. Right. Yes, you're absolutely right. I remember opening the newspaper up all the time, taking a look at there was a page where there was a column that showed all the beaches and the level of contamination uh, for not only that week, but the past month. So you could see what was happening on an ongoing basis. Um, and so like that's, Obviously, that's a, a more contained, more specific example. But 
what that leads me to with this moment is things like this that seem extreme, that seem um, maybe in some to some people's eyes as stupid or over the top. You know, right now, as of today, Door County doesn't have any cases of coronavirus and the hospital has capacity to handle someone if they are, do get sick. Um, so what what we're doing might be the difference between that being the story out of Door County or Door County Medical Center saying we don't have beds for our patients and leading to an impression that it's not safe in Door County. Um, and you think of like the the PR implications of that and where we come out on the other side of this. Like if, if Door County can maintain its kind of status as a, as a place that has a grip on this and that can take care of each other and be safe, that's not just for us, but that also has an impact on where tourists choose to go when this is all over. Yes, that's very important. I, I think one of the things that we've been able to practice uh, in the long run with, throughout Door County, uh, myself personally, I adhere to this when it comes to how we govern. And that is, you, you always in times like this, you always need to prepare yourself for the worst, but you certainly hope for the best. And you oftentimes end up somewhere in between, but you're prepared for it. And so hopefully things will be better uh, than we think and uh, we'll come out of this sooner rather than later. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's all of us who own businesses or me as a business owner and reporter. <laughs> I'm really hopeful for a day when I can go out and just like cover a baseball game again. <laughs> um, <laughs> or better yet, just go to Husby's and sit next to people and have a beer and chat. Um but Dave, thank you for joining me today on the podcast and updating folks. Before I let you go, is there anything else on a county level or village level that um, you want to say or point out that's going on that maybe we didn't mention today? Well, yeah, I think there is. I think very importantly, I do want to mention the county uh, coalition that was put together by the Door County Fire Chiefs Association. I think they are doing an admirable job. They need additional volunteers for any number of things. But that was a great show of how Door County can pull together uh, to help each other and, and move forward through times like this. They are doing a wonderful job. Uh, I'm also thankful for the uh, media attention that we've been able to bring uh, to that coalition and to our issues here in Door County. I just want to say thank you to all of them. Yeah, that's a great point to mention what Chris Hecht and, and his team have done and Donna Scattergood yep. and, and so many other people who have contributed to that effort. I was yourself included. Well, well thank you. Um, we try to be a messenger as best we can. And but I think if we do end up right now, we're, we're kind of lucky we're in. I, I, I hope this is where it stays, but maybe the calm before the storm. But if once you do get a positive test here, I think that's a moment where you're going to see a lot more people afraid to go out, especially those people in that vulnerable population. And that's when that coalition is really going to be uh, vital for a lot of citizens up here. Yeah, I and, agree. And people who are, if you're looking for more information on that, you can find it at doorcountypulse.com. It's right front and center. You can volunteer. You can ask for assistance. You can find out more information about what they can provide. So I encourage anyone to do that. Dave, thank you again. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Miles, thank you. Good to talk with you. Have a good afternoon. You too. Thanks.